Hey everybody, welcome back to Pod Lasso Talking Ted with Jess and Logan. I'm Logan. And I'm Jess. And we're gonna talk Ted Lasso season two, episode five, Rainbow. Almost halfway through season two. Um, we're gonna spoil this episode. Gonna try not to spoil anything past this until the very end. So <laughs> if for whatever reason you're just watching along week to week and haven't fallen in love and just binged every episode, then, um, you know, we won't spoil it for you. So, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I was just telling Jess that I'm super tired and drank a lot of caffeine. So if I'm weirder than normal, I apologize. If you're weirder than normal, uh, I think it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. So I I really struggled with a like opening question this week. Uh, the simple one would just be, are you a GIF mom or are you a GIF mom? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're talking about the peanut butter, then um, GIF is acceptable. If you're talking about animated GIFs, I think you can hear where I stand. <clears throat> yeah, um, I I. I struggle when people pronounce it GIF to not just be super like comic book guy dismissive kind <laughs> of even though like I, they'll point to like well the guy that created it he says it's pronounced GIF I'm like well it's not pronounced graphic it's pronounced graphic <laughs> so or, it's GIF <laughs> or GIFs you know like a birthday gift <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a gift person too. Um, yeah. I, I guess the, the better question actually is since this is rom communism, I know we've talked a lot about romantic comedies and like just stuff like that. And mm -hmm. we've probably even discussed favorites. Mm -hmm. So I, I did want to bring up one. I think I always forget to bring up is the princess bride. <laughs> Oh, so I do like that one. Now, I haven't seen the movie The Princess Bride probably since I was a kid, which is kind of wild. I need to definitely rewatch it. But I've read the book within the last 10 years. That. Yeah, I yeah. think you told me that at one point. And I was like, I have the book and I have not read it. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's a very interesting read uh, because the it's entirely a work of fiction, and the beginning of it, it, it it's an experience. Uh, but it, but it's the Princess Bride. Like it makes it makes sense. It's good. So I, I was going to ask you. I know you haven't seen the movie in a while, but what is your favorite part of the Princess Bride? Oh, geez. <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to think back. I mean, I'm even trying to like maybe think like back to the to the books because it has been just so long since I've seen the actual movie. Um, I, you need to revisit it. I, I know you don't have time, it. but yeah, I really just off the top of my head, I don't think I can like come up with one. Unlike Beetlejuice, it definitely holds up. <laughs> Beetlejuice um, did not hold up. Let me just tell you. And, and there's a sequel coming. <laughs> um, oh jeez. The Billy Crystal scene in Princess Bride, I think, is one of my favorite comedic movie scenes ever. Yeah, with um, yes, 
I cannot remember the woman that plays his wife, but she's she was in like everything. She was in Taxi. She was in Scrooged with Bill Murray. Um, Carol Kane, I think is right. Um, but the, <laughs> them arguing and the the to blave and I don't I just love that scene so much. Um, so much so that I know stupid trivia about that scene, like <laughs> that um, they had to use a dummy uh, for um, Wesley. Oh, be- because he kept breaking the scene, like he's oh. just supposed to lay there dead, <laughs> and he <laughs> could not stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, um, and I kind of love that. I did not know that. Mandy Patinkin uh, bruised a rib because he would, I guess he would take his hand like in, he's like holding it inside his shirt or something and would just press into his side to cause himself pain so that he wouldn't laugh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh wow. That's crazy. Um. I but, need to rewatch it. It's I, I mean, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid, and I don't remember most of it. It's such a good family movie, too. Like, there's just not enough of those that have, like, everything without any of the, like, kind of things where you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable to watch with my kid. That's you know? true. Or yeah. there's, like, no swearing. It's like, maybe uh, Fred Savage says, like, one swear word or something. I don't know. It's just such an adorable movie. I watched it probably a couple of years ago, I think. And I don't know. It just holds up so well. And also, Hello, My Name is Aniga Montoya. You yeah. Killed My Father, Prepare to Die is fucking... I, saying, I think I know more, like, lines to quote than I can, than, like, scenes that I can play out in my head, which is actually rare. I, I norm, I'm normally a much more visual person, but... Um, but yeah, that's one of them, the, the marriage stuff, (laughs) (laughs) just because some of them are quoted so often. It's like, you can't, but not know it, you know, I think Michael does that in the office, right? Uh, Yes. Which is exactly why I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage is what brings us here together today. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh man. I love that movie. Um, so uh, Anyway, stance on the podcast is it's GIF. Don't don't pronounce it GIF, man. <laughs> please, please don't. Or even I'll just if, roll my eyes. Even if you're British. <laughs> <laughs> and Roy Kent. I would let Roy Kent punch me. I would just correct him. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I love that. I would just correct him. Um, okay, so into the episode. Um God, it's going to be really hard. Of all the episodes we've discussed, and you texted me this, this might be the most difficult to talk about without going into, like, and then later, this (laughs) is what happens. (laughs) Right? Um, Okay. (laughs) I I have a quick question. Nothing spoilery at all, but... Did did I when we were texting? Did I have I watched the most recent episode? Yes, because that's the that's the most recent one, right? Because I saw something online that confused me. The tenth episode of season three comes out on Wednesday, the twenty fourth, right? Yes, yes. 
Okay. The the title's already up. The like the placeholder for the show is already up. And which... teasers are already out there because I saw one mm-hmm. on uh, Google. <laughs> I was like, um, hello, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I I love that the show does not play trailers for the next episode. Um, like HBO used to be really bad about that. Mm. Um, but uh, I love that the show doesn't do that, and I'm able to avoid it because I don't really get too much into the social media stuff for Ted Lasso. Um, so yeah, to, but it, it, it found me and I was like, okay, they made enough that I questioned if I had watched the most recent one. So, okay. So I have, so we're good. We won't talk about that to the end anyway. So, um, so the episode opens with Nate who we love, uh, running into a door. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so Nate. Nate has, this is a Nate episode, man. Oh, like, yeah. and what an episode to, to showcase just him, like, kind of coming into his own. And then we'll talk about more later. But, like, mm-hmm. so it, it's just such a buildup for you to just be like, wait, what? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to make a reservation at a restaurant called A Taste of Athens, which <laughs> leads to such a funny moment later, um, with, uh, a woman we've talked about before, Jade, uh, but it was in spoiler section. So if you've listened and were confused, this is Jade, um, who I just realized on my rewatch, well, actually not on my re- on my watching of current episodes and rewatch of this episode, that she is not British. <laughs> no, I would. She has a a, a a little bit of a different accent, just slightly. I, I always thought she was just being extremely rude. Fair. I, I to be fair, I didn't fully pick up on it. Um, until I, I watched last night's episode or this week's episode. And it, it makes a it makes a lot of things make a little bit more sense. It really does. It really does. But we're not gonna touch on that. But yeah, so suffice it to say she's uh she's not British. <laughs> so th- this is the first time it, like if you're watching, you know, for the first time, this is the first time you meet her. And we've talked we talked about this before in spoiler section so we'll bring it up again here we both did not like her Mm-mm. like at all and not in a like i don't like jamie way and it's just like what the hell it, why is nate even remotely interested in this girl which comes up later he tries to get her number mm-hmm. um I, just like why and because i thought she was just rude and dismissive and like yeah but and now i'm thinking is some of that just because it's like look man we don't really speak the same language and you don't i do think some of it's like he clearly doesn't know what he he wants or how to ask for what he wants or how to be that person um but yeah like the their first thing who does she say she has to check with derek derek yes the manager of the restaurant. Because Nate wants the table by the window. <laughs> um, that's a good, like, little side thing. 
I, I never want to be seated by the window at a restaurant ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Why is that? I, strangers walking by and like glancing at me eating sounds horrifying. <laughs> Fair. I could kind of get that. It feels a little bit like a fishbowl. I, I just, I mean, I should say that kind of window. Like it's one thing you're in like, uh, I don't know, Red Lobster or something, and you're sitting by the window. But this is, like, this prominent, like, place of, like, attention. And it's... Yeah. Well, it's the only table at the very front of the restaurant. And it's also, like, the only one really with, like, street view. So, yeah, it's not only, like, is everyone in the restaurant kind of looking at you in a way. Everyone on the outside walking past is also looking at you. Yes. (laughs) Essentially. Which, I, I mean, I guess that's for, and maybe rightfully so. So, like, maybe Nate is a little wrong to ask. Like, it's the restaurants, like, this is where we seat, uh, you know, celebrities or people of importance, you know, mm. public mm. figures, which Nate is not at this point. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's weird. Uh, but he sees Roy on TV and Roy makes everything better. (laughs) Um, he always makes everything better. They're talking about Isaac because Isaac has lost his, uh, lost his way a little bit. And, uh, George, the former coach of, uh, the team, uh, says some, uh, choice things. (laughs) As which, he always does. <laughs> um, what did Roy? Is it, is this one Roy asking about getting the DUIs that later in the episode? <laughs> that, I don't know. I don't remember when that occurred, but that was that. Because the, they have three scenes, I think, together in this episode. But the DUI mm-hmm. thing is so fucking funny. <laughs> like, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's not in the last scene. I can I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was either this one or or another one in the middle. But yeah, that that was hilarious. I I love Nate going back to Jade and just being like, when she's like, we can seat you. At, you know, we got a reservation. We can put you in the corner table in the back. And he's like, well, no, I want this table. And she's like, we don't take reservations for the table up front. And he's like, but I know Roy can't. <laughs> She says, is Roy Kent your dad? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, baby, love. And, uh, well, if Mr. Kent would ever like to to sit at the front table, then please let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I felt like she was being, like, super saucy to him. And I don't know. I mean, part of it might be her. Part of it might be her. I don't know not being from England who knows yeah and and also working at a restaurant like I'm I I think in light of things in later episodes I've recontextualized some of it and just gone like yeah like this dude comes in and he doesn't really seem to know what he wants or what he's doing you're opening a restaurant which is crappy enough you're gonna have to be there all night Mm -hmm. um I've never worked in a restaurant, but I did deliver pizzas and it's kind of just the same dealing with people and eventually you're just over it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, 
I did work in a restaurant for a single summer. Yeah, I, 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 at least delivering pizzas, it was like, here's your food. I'm walking back to my car so that I can say horrible, horrible things about you (laughs) (laughs) and just drive away screaming, looking like a lunatic, you know, so that nobody hears me in the back of the restaurant. So people are the worst, man. Yeah. Um, so we get we get a uh, locker room speech, uh, Rom communism. What did you think about Ted's speech? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, I've watched a couple different episodes since this one, so can you give me just like a little bit more to go on exactly what he said? This idea that like. If movies have taught us anything, if romantic comedies have taught us anything, it's that we can deal with a little bit of, like, struggle to get to the happy ending. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not, I mean, he's not wrong. It's not just, like, romantic comedies that teach us that. I feel like it's just life in general. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like everything kind of has, like, its ups and downs. Um, there's always going to be a little bit of a struggle and you're always hoping for the happy ending. Right. And so like, I, but I kind of given how Ted normally spins everything with like a completely positive outcome, like I totally get why he wants to reframe that with like rom-coms. So rom-communism, like I, like I can see that cause he's like, we're going to struggle a little bit, but there's going to be a happy ending. You know, that's like the Ted Lasso way, right? Ever the optimist. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, I, I found it really funny that he's clinging to that, considering like yeah, his true. personal life is true. in shambles. <laughs> to put it mildly, yeah. So the idea that he can at least, even publicly, hold on to this, like, it's all going to work out. And I know because romantic comedies have told me so and not (laughs) the like i'm way more cynical and i watch those things and go this is all bullshit (laughs) well it's not even i know this is what people always say pessimists say that we're realists or whatever but it is it's not true to life i mean come on that's why we're watching it we're watching it for an escape we're watching it to make ourselves feel good or watching it because we're like well maybe just maybe but no life never happens that way not ever just doesn't work I, i think the i think my problem with all of it is is and i know this isn't most isn't everybody's experience i should say i was exposed to movies that i probably shouldn't have been watching at a younger age and not in like a triple x way just in a like you don't have the mental faculties to understand that this is not the way things work Ah. so you know at seven years old i'm just like oh this is this is the way relationships work and it's like nah man (laughs) Well, it's the way we romanticize things, the way we idealize things, but it is in real life, not how it works. I I think that's why I I do get more attached to the like cynical ones. Like, have you ever seen 500 Days of Summer? You know, I have not, um, but I have heard I would really like it. I loved it. it. It was, it felt so genuine to like... 
you start out with that like this is amazing and it's gonna last forever and then six months later you're like i would suffocate you with a pillow if i knew i could get away with it (laughs) (laughs) um i love that okay i'm gonna need to watch this movie um i'll add that to my ever-growing list of things to watch from logan There's a really great scene where Zoe Deschanel is telling. Um, That's why I, it was on my radar. I love her. Anyway, uh, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun. What's his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, him. Um, th- that's they're the couple in it. She's telling him. She's comparing them to Sid Vicious and. Um, and now I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, but the punk rocker Sid Vicious. I- I know who you're talking about, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. The, the uh, woman that he was with forever, who they were extremely toxic for each other. And she's, like, describing all these horrible things. And Nancy? He, yes. Uh, yes, Sid and Nancy. That's the movie. Um, yes. And, uh, yes. Okay. Sorry. Catching up. Catching up. And uh, he thinks that he's, she's saying he's Sid, because, like, Sid was pretty terrible. And she's like, no, <laughs> I'm the terrible one. <laughs> you need to go away because I'm breaking you. <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. Um, anyway, I much prefer oh, Ted's metaphor. Sorry, to... I, uh, I googled Sid Vicious and Nancy, and I should probably just close that for the sake of this yeah, podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, there's so much. It, oh, it's, wow. It's, it's worse than the Kurt Cobain stuff. Yeah, it, it is like the it's it's like the poster child for toxic relationships. Oh, did he murder <laughs> like, her? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, sorry. Tangent. Okay, we we're just gonna stop. <laughs> I, I sorry. I don't I think that that's something that he was ever uh, convicted of. Okay. <laughs> I, I I can't speak okay. on authority about any of it. Um, but I, I much prefer Ted's dark forest metaphor, like mm. that I felt way more comfortable with, like you're in the dark forest, man, but fairy tales as ridiculous as they are, they never start in the dark forest. Mm-hmm. Like you have to remember that like much like in the princess bride, like you're going through the forest. There are R O U S's, and um, you know that one I got. <laughs> you just gotta keep going. Watch out for the, you know, quicksand and the the fire swamp, and you know, just keep going till you get out because mm-hmm. there is a way out. Um, that I totally I was like, oh yeah, that, like I love that. Um, I just hate romantic comedy so much. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> cynical. No, I mean, I get it. As, I, I think as a woman, it's it's literally, like, genetically impossible for me to hate rom-coms. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, that, that was a really great metaphor. And I feel like, well, because, like, fairy tales in general, they're all, or at least the original ones, they were always supposed to be cautionary tales. There was always a little bit of a, a lesson you could take from it. Whereas, like, rom-com is just kind of like a super idealizing everything and there's not really a lesson there it's just kind of super feel good so i agree i th- i like the dark forest analogy way better um so uh, i have a britishism question because i don't know i should have googled it mm. there's this whole conversation with beard and nate mm. about 
piles and I, he's like i don't like piles i don't like that and then later he's like i, I i'm okay with fanny i don't know what piles is a reference to and i, I kind of was afraid to google it <laughs> because i was like is this i think he said because they're talking about isaac and how upset he is and angry and um he's like uh <laughs> he says maybe it's piles and i was like i don't know what that is and i don't i don't know if i want to know Hemorrhoids. Oh. <laughs> I had to Google it. I didn't know. I was like, well, shit, I'm just going to Google it now. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, piles seems like a much more, um, like, less embarrassing name than hemorrhoids. Yeah, well, you know, I agree, but that's because we all know what hemorrhoids mean, but we don't know what piles mean. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. maybe that's why. Um, okay, well, now if I ever have one, I'm going to be like, ah, it's my piles, man. <laughs> no one will know what the fuck I'm talking about. No one will have a clue. I don't know. That's what Google said. So oh, hopefully uh, it says it, the term hemorrhoid um, and piles, a traditional slang term, all refer to the same condition. Okay. I mean, that would make sense, I guess, if I was... Uh, a professional football player and that was happening, I would probably be not in the best mood. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't imagine that would be comfortable in any way, shape, or form. Um, so what did, what did you think about the Abbott and Costello Sheffield Wednesday routine? Oh, my gosh. Oh my, I think that it's, it's hilarious. Like, it makes me laugh every single time. I don't know. I just, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. And, and like, I love Beard because he's knowingly walking into it, oh, knowing he's sure. going to get frustrated and knowing it's going to make Ted happy. I know. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday is <laughs> just, it made me laugh because they only used to play on Wednesdays, but now they play on any day of the week. I, just, it, I loved it. I thought it was funny. It stuck with me. Yeah. It, it, I get a chuckle out of it. I've watched the episode five or six times and every time I'm just like that. And uh, so they're discussing Isaac and, and the doc walks in and she's like, do you want me to talk to Isaac? Of course, Ted being Ted, mm-hmm. he doesn't want any of his players to go talk to her. Um, but he says Isaac is like a teepee and a wigwam or something like that, which is probably a little offensive. I don't know. Um, and of course she does not get the reference and then they drop the joke on her, but the, the, the like celebration thing they do. I just love it every time. (laughs) Yeah. They, I just, I like every like it's just so well done. Like the jokes are well written, but like the physical comedy is just as good. It just it cracks me up. It's it's funny. yeah, and it's never overdone. Like right, it's never it's not too over the top. It's something. It's it's one physical comedy is one of those things where, like, if it's a really good person, then it's a bit that can can hold up on repeat viewings, but. Those are, like, so few and far between. Like, even going back to, like, silent era films. Like, if you look at, like, Charlie Chaplin. Like, the reason all of that works is because it's so fucking elaborate. That it's just, like, you're stunned and laughing that they even could pull this off. (laughs) But, like, if you watch something like, I don't, The Mask, 
which, you know, everybody was gaga over at the time. It just doesn't really hold up because all of that physicality, once you've seen it, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is the part where this happens. There's like no amazingness to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I have not watched that in a very, very long time. I was was like, I bet that's another one, though, that doesn't really hold up. It does not. It's uh, it's a lot of um, him just like dogging after her, (laughs) like in the worst way. And that's not like, and while as a eight-year-old or however old I was when I saw that movie, I didn't get that. But now it's not going to play as well, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see, where was, oh, um, Rebecca and Keely. Oh, no, I, I did skip over one thing I wanted to bring up. They want, they have this whole thing where, uh, Ted's like I would send Isaac to talk to the team captain But Isaac's the team captain It'll break the space time continuum But we need to we need a big dog He needs to talk to a big dog And Nate says I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> uh, To which Ted laughs And I I do feel really bad For Nate in that moment I did too my laugh was a laugh because I I know what com- what's coming yes, later. Yes. But I I did I did I, I that was another. There's a lot of things, and we're gonna talk about this later in this episode that have a lot of weight and meaning, and they play very differently once you've seen past this episode. And I feel like this is one of those scenes. I was like, ooh, I did not quite remember <clears throat> that feeling as harsh as it. Might yeah. actually be like to Nate Like how Nate would feel it is Do you know what I mean Yeah and there is this whole thing about I don't know I, Like I said I feel bad for him But also I, I kind of do believe in like Knowing yourself And not being I, I, We're all a little delusional But like super delusional Like mm-hmm. yes you have the job Nate But like Ted isn't going to go talk to him And you're just like I'll do it I'm a big dog Like dude a year ago, they were pushing you around and throwing you in the, like, dirty laundry hamper. Right. You know, I'm not, you know, they, should, they shouldn't have been doing it, no. But they're not going to see you as a big dog. They're just not going to, which sucks. Yeah, yeah but they're not going to re- respect it coming from mm-hmm. him. They're just, they're not going to see it the same way. No yeah. matter how much they maybe should now, you know, like, given his position. But... I mean, a lot of that comes with they also, I think, still don't fully respect Ted's judgment. And right. so, you know, him making Nate an assistant coach is another one of those judgment things that they're just not quite going to respect yet. Right. Um, it, it, yeah, you're right, because Ted's done a lot of things that they would still even find questionable, even if things have smoothed out, like bringing Jamie back, yep. where it's just like... Yeah, it's it's going smooth, man. But like, seriously, you 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 rolled a bomb into the locker room, not knowing if it was gonna like explode with gunpowder or confetti. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's not really okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it, out in the the hallway, as they're all dismissed, we find out that Keeley has 
in her new role of uh, media manager or something to that effect, um, managed to net them all Nespresso machines, to which I'm super fucking jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool. I liked the various ways that they all kind of like shuffle mm-hmm. through and they're either like excitement or I don't really drink this, but can I give it to my neighbor down to Danny, just, man. I know. Can you just give me cash? Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that I love Danny's, but the like, is there that, is there any way I can just give this to you and you give me the money is <laughs> such a, like, it's just such an honest approach. <laughs> it is. It is such an honest approach. And it's like, well, that doesn't really work that way. And then, of course, you get Nate coming down the hall trying to take one. And she's like, sorry, players only. Yeah. Um, I, again, another... This episode does a really great job of setting up um, what could be seen as the sad sack Nate moments. But yeah, not making it so, like life keeps kicking him while he's down more in the like he doesn't know how to handle it it sounds terrible to say handle his station but like you're you're not a player you're not the head coach you're not the like you need to have that confidence but you don't need to be delusional about things yeah, well, and especially right now, I mean, his position is essentially a nobody. He's not famous for any reason because he hasn't really done anything to mm-hmm. become famous. Um, and he he's an assistant coach. He's not the head coach. And before that, he was the kit man. So it's yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard. It's kind of like you're you're not in a position in a position of literally any influence. So there's no benefit for you yeah. taking one of these and posting on your Instagram because you probably have 10 followers that are all your family. Right. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And really, that's what it's for, you know? like That's the whole point. It, you know? It's an endorsement. Yeah. It, it, that's always what it is, you know? People, you see people online all the time gripe about what celebrities get, but it's like, yeah, they give them that shit for free because they'll post about it. And then, you know, a million people will be like, oh, I'm going to go buy that because uh, J-Lo has one or whoever, you mm-hmm. know. And that's why they get shit for free, which is great. But, you know, that's that, that's the business. Um, and, yeah. and, and I don't want to say, so Nate hasn't earned it. He's mentally, like, he's smarter than most of the people in the room. Yes. But he hasn't put in the time. Um, It's kind of like when you work somewhere and then they bring somebody in who's just like, okay, you've got all the knowledge. But, like, now you're running around here trying to, like, quote, be the boss. You don't don't know anything about any of us. Yes. You know? Oh, my gosh. It's a little like that. Ugh, yes, I feel that analogy. So the, I think the other big star of this episode is Rebecca. I feel like she gets more screen time in this episode than any in a while. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. She gets a lot. I just feel like 
Keely too. Yeah. Keely does get a lot of screen time. Um, we spend a lot of time in, yeah. Um, especially because the first few episodes of this season, Roy was largely absent. <laughs> also, also true. Also true. <laughs> so it feels like a lot more Roy. Um, but the last like five minutes, all Roy, all great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Rebecca. Uh, Re- yeah, Rebecca, you know, is on banter, and we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a later episode, but uh, she seems to be enjoying herself. Um, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, um, you know, uh, at, at Keeley's in- insistence, you know, that, that she keep trying to put herself back out there. Um, but uh, Nate has the this issue that he goes to Keeley with, which... This is one of my favorite scenes in Ted Lasso is <laughs> Nate walking back and forth in front of Keeley's office like you would in any other kind of show or movie. You know, that it's a setup of somebody just walking back. But then when the camera pans to the outside and it's literally like four feet of space that he just keeps walking back and forth. Like, and it doesn't go anywhere either. So it's just like so obvious that he's trying to work up the nerve. And she's like, hello. And he tells her that she he wants her to make him famous, which is what we were just talking about. Yes. Um, and, you know, again, feeling bad for Nate because immediately she's like, oh, you don't want that. Here's all the things you get with fame. And it's horrible. And it's just like. Okay, well, you've achieved a modicum of that. I would, I would like just something in that range. <laughs> yeah, no, because well, at first he's like, yeah, no, I don't want that. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, you know, well, that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like, oh, wait. <laughs> so sad. Um, but he tells her really what he wants is to get this table at this restaurant. And her solution is immediately right back to Rebecca, which is great. This, again, I, I love this scene. And I can't really talk about why until we get much later in the episode. Uh, Rebecca, first of all, she's like, you can't get a table at a restaurant called <laughs> <laughs> A Taste of Athens in Tooting. Um, she's so... Not disgusted, but just, like, baffled by this. Um, and her solution is like, well, I'll just buy the restaurant. I know. Oh. And I fucking need a friend like that. Right? I would love to have a friend like that that's just like, oh, no, it's cool. We'll just we'll just buy it. No worries. Like, I'm sorry, what? Um, so their plan is to, to like, imbue Nate with confidence to have like have him be so confident and not more confident and not so kind of uh bumbling and mumbling and stumbling over his words and kind of just shyly backing down from everything um and nate tells rebecca like well it's easy for you you command every room that you walk into and she disavows him and she's like no that is not the case i have to here's what i do i make myself big and she does this routine and like maybe it's just me but 
I honestly feel like she looks four inches taller when she comes out of that routine. Well, she's already kind of a tall woman to begin mm-hmm. with. No, but there, but there, but there's something to that. I mean, you know, they they tell you a lot of times like to pump yourself up before public speaking. You need to do your power pose. But for most people, it's they're like you know, put your hands on your hips and spread your feet wide and stand up real tall. You know, kind of like a Superman pose almost. And uh, her version's a little different, but it does. It gives you it gives you that confidence. It kind of I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works. It just like channels all the right energy and like you, you feel taller and I feel like it just makes you stand up bigger. I don't know. Like it it works though. It's, it's, it's wild, but it does work. I'm I'm going, I may not do her thing because I, I I think I'm too cynical for the, like, but like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to to start doing stuff like that. I started reading Brene Brown. Do you know who that is? Ah, I do. Okay, I started reading one of her books, and Which one? um, it's called. Hold on, I'll grab it. Spencer actually gave it to me. It's called Daring Greatly. Ooh, tell me if that one's good. I have, um, I think Brave the Wilderness, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, one one of the things she talked about in the book, not to get off on a tangent, but I will, uh, is <laughs> this idea of when you wake up in the morning, you, your thoughts immediately start going to how you are not going to be able to accomplish everything you want to accomplish today. You just mm. immediately are self-defeatist. Instead of just going like, hey, I'm awake, I'm up. Let's get going. You're just like, well, here's all the things I have to do today, and there's no way I can get them all done. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I I do find myself doing that. So I'm trying to be better about that and also more intentionable, more intentionable, intentional about writing stuff down that I need to do for the day that truly need accomplished, but not overloading it like if i write down 15 things i can't do them all then it's like Mm -hmm. you said it's defeating and you've started by defeating yourself i i started it's so funny you bring that up years ago i mean over a decade ago i started doing that as a management for my anxiety i was just like i write the night before here's all the things including little things like brush my teeth like, this is all the things I have to do when I get up tomorrow. And I would just carry the list around and just, if I found myself going, like, I, I don't know what to do next. Like, generally, I get anxious and I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> um, or I'm going to pull out my phone and doom scroll through Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd carry the list around and I'd be like, well, what's on the list? And I would just start marking stuff off and it worked really really well for a long time Mm. then I started just adding more and more and more and more and more and more and then it was just like I I now I'm anxious about the list not being able to get the list done yeah and it became (laughs) self-defeating yeah so it kind of it kind of went backwards on you Mm -hmm. yeah someone recently gave me some advice of like breaking your day up kind of into like little sections and being like, okay, 
So from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., I know this isn't your schedule, but just roll with me here. You know, these are the things I have to accomplish. I have to get my kids ready for school. I have to take a shower. I have to, you know, brush my teeth, whatever it is. And it's like, what can I accomplish within just those three hours? And then you kind of like move on to the next block. Okay, 9 to 12. Like now I'm in my work day. What can I do between 9 and 12? And I'm like, okay, I need to write a blog post, you know, like whatever it is. It's like, what can you do within that time block? And you kind of move throughout the day until you're like butting up against your bedtime and like the time that you need to like wind down and go to bed. Yeah. And my problem became that like I would lay down and go to bed and go, we're going to scratch all the stuff off the list, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the point was when yeah, you, you when you break it up. Yeah, you you're only supposed to intentionally be like, okay, in these three hours, I can I only I have three hours. Can I realistically get my kids to school, shower, brush my teeth and whatever, make a cup of coffee? I don't know. You know what I mean? Can you do that within three hours? And if the answer is yes, then great. That's what you do in your three hours. And then when you move on to the next block, you're like, hey, I've only got three hours. And this is like my prime time work day. So what can I get done in this section and then lunch? And then what can I get done in this section? So, yeah, um, I need, I need to try that. Um, I have, I have a list app on my phone now that I use and it, it, it was working well for a while. And then it kind of just became the same thing where it's just yeah. like, well, there's 40 fucking things I have to do today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like a way to manage that was like, okay, have your, have like a note in your notes app, just one giant list of literally all these things that you're trying to get to so that they're not rattling around in your brain. But then when you're making your plan for the day, say like in your planner or whatever you're using your calendar or whatever, then when you're like, okay, I've got three hours to fill and I don't know what to do. You go to your list and you grab just enough things that you can do in those three hours and then kind of move to the next section. Yeah. Okay. That was advice someone recently gave to me. I I'm, I'm in the process of trying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Keely's words, this is how you invade France. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that. And she's like, Holy shit, you're amazing. Let's invade France. <laughs> I don't, I just, I love Keely in general. Um, Okay, so Ted uh, gets, uh, in a scene we don't get to see, uh, Ted gets a scoop on where Roy is, and we finally get some just one-on-one time with Ted and Roy uh, at this kebab place, uh, which Roy thinks of as his church. I know! I was like, this is probably one of my most favorite Ted and Roy scenes just because it makes me laugh every single time. He's so taken aback to see Dead Lasso in his ritual church whatever kebab eating experience. Okay, so uh, another little side tangent. Has that ever happened to you? Because it has straight up fucking happened to me. Not in not in the Ted Lasso way, but legitimately somebody I'm just like. I never wanted to see this person again. And now I know that they at least might come here so I can <laughs> never fucking come back. Oh, no. Um, I don't think it's happened to me in that exact way. But, I mean, I've definitely been somewhere and seen someone I know, but it's so far out of context or maybe it's, like, so far removed, like, in terms of, like, a period of time that I'm like, 
who is this person? How do I know you? Why are you here? And then it all kind of comes crashing down in that like realization moment, you know? I've definitely been there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there there was a time in my life where I knew like the town I lived in had like three Walmarts and this person I didn't want to see lived a block away from one Walmart that I also lived by and I was like, well, if I'm going to run into them, that's where it's going to be. So I guess <laughs> I'm driving out of my way. <laughs> oh, no. Um, just because I'm such a, like, don't, I, I don't even want to, like, I don't, I just don't want to, I'm just like, if I don't see them, I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to go home and be like, what you should have said was, and play all of that out in my head. <laughs> is, is there is there a scenario where you can just, like, pretend you don't recognize the person or that you're not who they think you are or is that um, awesome? well, I mean I guess it used to be the case when uh Ryan was around <laughs> that oh, well, fair. Awesome. <laughs> fair. like uh no I'm not Logan <laughs> <laughs> identical twins man that would have that was the ultimate excuse uh, um anyway uh so he kind of drops in Roy's Ted drops in Roy's lap like I need help with Isaac. And do you have any ideas? Roy says, let me pray on it. (laughs) (laughs) Best line ever. Um, And they kind of go their separate ways. And the plan that Roy comes up with is later that night to have Ted and Isaac meet him at. um, uh, Isaac calls it something specific, like shitty or something like that. But uh, (laughs) I. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look bad to me, <laughs> but I don't live in England, so I don't know what, quote, slums look like in England. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't think it looked bad at all, but it was also dark, so yeah. it was kind of hard to tell. But I did notice there were a lot of apart- like high-rise apartment buildings around Yeah, that looked dated, so maybe that was, like, in telling. I don't, I mean, I don't really know. I'm not too up on my... Uh, London areas of whatever yeah. <laughs> affluence, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, me either. Um, I do. I do know from just from watching like British TV that like places that look like that without any kind of design to them are, are just you know uh, housing for people that really can't afford it otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, but he tells Isaac, you know, this is that's where I grew up. This is where I learned to play football. Um, and so you're going to get out there and play. And Isaac, of course, is like, I'll murder them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which come. I love. <laughs> I know. Well, I know it, it was hilarious, but also it's like, yeah, but don't, uh, don't discredit the, these people just because they're not professionals doesn't mean yeah. they're not good at what they do. A lot of times people like that aren't professional because they just didn't have the opportunities that you had. Yeah. You know, they didn't get to go to, you know, Roy got to go off to, I guess it would have been a boarding school, right? Um, Yeah. To play um, Mm -hmm. because of his grandfather and all of that stuff. You know, he might have been one of those guys running around on that field at, you know, however old he is, uh, you know, still just playing pickup games, you know? Yeah. 
Um, have you ever seen the movie White Men Can't Jump? Oh god, it's been so long. Yeah. Yes, I, it, but it's it made been me think so of long. that. Um, because like that that was that was the whole like basketball culture. Yes. Uh, around that time was like you. I'm sure you can look at videos on YouTube. These guys playing on, uh, you know, just neighborhood courts doing things that are fucking insane. Oh yeah. And you're just like, oh my god, if they're this good, why are they not playing in the NBA? And it's because they didn't have the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. They're. I mean, it's you know, it's not like scouts are coming to these types of neighborhoods to find athletic talent. They're going to the schools or you know the private schools, the places with, like with mm-hmm. the programs. They're not, you know, they're not scouting in like neighborhoods for hidden talent or whatever. Unless you know, every once in a while, someone can get lucky and you know be at the right place at the right time to get discovered. But for the most part, you know, people don't. And and that's why you um, you had this rise in like the 80s and 90s of in, in America. I can't speak to England, but like private schools basically having talent scouts. Yep. Who would just go out and find kids that are good at whatever sports, and still find yeah, and find a way to get them into these private schools. Yeah, I mean they still do that. It's, yeah. it's wild. Or, um, like, you know, like, if your kid wants to play this sport and they started playing when they were four and ins- are this, like, phenomenal talent, you do everything in your power to get them into mm-hmm. that school because that's where they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. But that's very difficult to make happen because most of these schools are private boarding schools, which comes with a whole other, aside from money, a whole other host of potential issues. Yep. Um, we'll not get into this podcast. <laughs> so Roy's plan is basically just, uh, I mean, he lays it out for Isaac. You've forgotten that this is a game mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be fun. You love playing this. You know, you're, it's, you love to play whether you win or lose. And you've forgotten that. And yeah. you need to get that back. And we get a fucking brilliant montage of Isaac you know, of course it goes by really quick, but, you know, Isaac just basically doing just that to Blur's song number two, yeah. one of my, probably one of my favorite songs of all time. It's a good one. It's a really good one, especially in this type of context when you have something that you're supposed to be like really amped up for and excited about and like this whole big thing. Yeah, it was a great montage. I loved I love seeing all of that and kind of showcasing that. It's like you kind of watch him almost like get his mojo back. It was great. Yeah, uh, I, I that song for me is like I know a lot of people like like Gonna Fly Now, the Rocky song or like I Am mm. the Tiger, which is Rocky three, four, one of them. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are fine, but like you put on Blur song too. I'm just like, uh, that's a gym song for me, man. Like <laughs> crank it loud and just woo. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's called, it, anybody doesn't know it's called song two because it's the second song on the <laughs> second album by Blur. That's why it's called Blur's song two. Um, <laughs> they didn't have a name, so they just called it song two. Song two. Uh, um so uh game time uh we get a really 
interesting moment with Sharon and Ted. Mm-hmm. Walking out to the field. Um, I mean, even the first time you watch this, could you te- tell that Ted was being a little, I don't want to say overconfident, but he's so like masking something. Yes. You could you could tell by the energy that he has that there was something more going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he's maybe is this the right he's he's almost kind of bouncy. Yep. Yeah. And and like just um doing the over talking thing. Yes. Where it's just like you're talking too much, so I feel like you're you're trying to hide something. Yes, yeah, it's like you're afraid of saying the wrong thing and of getting in your head. So you kind of like just keep talking in the hopes that like you won't say the wrong thing. But the fact that you're continuing to talk and ramble is like the key indicator that there's something is up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I mean, she you can kind of tell she lets it go because he's just like, nope, like I'm doing great. It's game day. You know, let's go Greyhounds. And uh, kind of just blows her off, and of course, it, it, relief comes when Nate comes walking in in his his suit. Um, you know, suit on game day, man. Oh, yep, suits on game day. And uh, you know, Ted starts making comments about the suit and uh, like, especially his like, I, 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 like you know, it's like dude, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, speaking of, like, over-the-top acting, like, not that he was, like, I don't think anything that he did was out of place, but it felt like Ted, like, the character of Ted Lasso was overacting to, like, overcompensate for something. Yeah, Um, I did like Beard's moment in this scene, though. Like, it's so quick and it's so perfectly Beard. When (laughs) she she makes some comment about the door, uh, her door always being open, he's like, we have Beard just chop that thing down for you he says like eight good swipes and beard's like five good swipes (laughs) (laughs) something champion baby um (laughs) which um this is not spoilery but it it's even something like this okay in the most recent episode there is a scene where beard is talking to jane and he's like Make sure you bring my axe. No, not okay. that axe. No, the other axe. That axe. Um, and Ted's like, how many axes do you have now? He's like, 14. It's, it's like Seven. this. Yeah, this that scene <laughs> informs this fucking scene that happened two years ago. <laughs> and he's like, God, I can't imagine being in another country without my axes. <laughs> Man, she's going to be able to carry all of that. And it's like, I know they didn't write that axe joke two years ago, but I mean, maybe they did and they just didn't have a place to put it. But the no, scene. No, but I feel like in Beard's character profile, somewhere along the oh, line, for sure. is <laughs> axe aficionado or whatever you call this, axe enthusiast. I have no fucking clue, but <laughs> it, it, is, it is a nice payoff. Not spoilery, but it is a nice payoff. And I'm just like, it's so weird how this show, like, references itself in the smallest ways. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Let's stop. Let's stop. Okay. So uh cut to Roy on Soccer Saturday. 
And of course, being asked what every pundit gets asked, what do you think is going to happen today, Roy? Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, uh, specifically about a new young player. And Roy says, I don't know. He's 17. He's probably going to, what, what does he say? Eat, a, uh, eat chips and <laughs> have a wank before he goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't, um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something crass and very Roy Kent, like <laughs> very just direct and like, he's 17. What do you think he's going to do? What would you do yeah. at 17? Like, that's what that felt yeah. like he said. Yeah, you were a 17 year old football player. What were you doing? That's uh-huh. what this kid's going to do, man. Um, <laughs> you know, and so we only got to see bits and pieces of Roy's uh, dramatically over the top retirement speech, but we get to see a full on fledged like Roy having an emotional moment for is this the like real first time we get to like see that all the way through I think so it's so fucking good it's so good because it's just like you're just like watching him and he's just like processing everything and he's just like I'm not where I'm meant to be and like oh my god because yeah, Ted Both times Ted's seen him earlier In the episode he's tried to convince him To like come to the squad And be a coach um, You know in, in Ted's Fun little way and of course Roy Is not having it he's not been having Much of Ted at all this season um, He just doesn't He wants to end that chapter Of his life not understanding That you know you that doesn't mean you have to walk away um and watching him like pro like you said process all that it's so it's so good and so it's it's why this dude won a fucking emmy man (laughs) yes uh i'm so glad that he won i love i think he does such a great job and he he's on the writing team as well so Mm -hmm. he's pulling double duty he has a movie on amazon called super bob um that he he plays this like regular like just everyday british dude who winds up getting superpowers and he's kind of a dumbass and it is so like the complete polar opposite of roy kent that (laughs) it's it's um it's like watching a different person it's like it's like it's like they're twins. You'd be like, "Oh, this is his dumb brother." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, it is jarring, especially when you see an actor you're so used to seeing in a certain role, and then they either move on to something else because it ended or whatever, and it's just such a different take. And you're like, "Oh, you're." It's it's almost like you're not the person I thought you were, and then it's like, "Duh." you're an actor (laughs) so sometimes I I catch myself being like so drawn to a certain character portrayed by a certain actor that I become convinced that the actor is the character even though I know that they're not um but and then when you see them do something different you're like oh I'm not not to get um I I wonder because I do the same thing I wonder if it's because like specifically like the big American Actors, not just USA, just American actors, generally are always playing some version of themselves. Well, at some point, 
they get typecast, whether or not it's a version of themselves. Yeah. But. And so we just get used to thinking like, oh, that, that's Jim Carrey just playing like this kind of like sort of version of Jim Carrey. Um, and you, you wind up just always seeing him that way, even when he's doing stuff out of the box. Um, so when you see like true, like great dramatic actors, not that Jim Carrey's not great. I do like Jim Carrey. Um, but a lot of British actors are just like, oh shit, these dudes can like really act. Yeah. Well, they're more, um, I feel like it's less common amongst American actors to, to be a true character actor. Um, uh, unless you've come from a theater background. Um, I mean, you know, there are some actors that are that are known for that, you know, of having the very, like, different roles. But like you say, a, a lot of them tend to either get typecast or they end up in the same role or they get cast as a certain role and then kind of end up bringing themselves to the role in, mm-hmm. a, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm trying to, uh, there's a couple examples I want to... I, I feel... <laughs> I feel like Nick Offerman and Ron Swanson are yeah. very, very, very similar. <laughs> and so when you see Nick Offerman sometimes doing other stuff, it's like it doesn't it doesn't feel like him, but because that character tur- started to embody him. Mindy Kaling as Kelly Kapoor is another mm-hmm. one. She completely reinvented the character and it was by the end more Mindy than Kelly. Yeah. Um, the Ron Swanson one's a good one because like, I feel like that's partly responsible. I know you didn't watch the last of us, but he's in, uh, in the second, second or third episode of the last of us. Um, and in something that is completely not in that realm of things. Yeah. And there was a lot of backlash about that episode. Interesting. It's yeah. fucking phenomenal. And like, don't watch it unless you're it, it it works completely standalone, but you cannot watch it unless you're ready to just be fucking devastated. Oh jeez. Because okay. it is a wreck. And yeah. like it is such a good performance from him that I, I feel like people know are so in love with Nick Offerman slash Ron Swanson that they were like, oh no, he he can't play somebody like this. This is bullshit. And uh-huh. but like if you take a step back, it's like, no, he's doing like real work here, man. It's really yeah. good. Um, but anyway, back to Ted. That, that I mean, point being that that's what we and and Emmy voters all feel like he's doing. Like this, this he's fucking just killing it, man. Um his even so I, I wanted to bring this up. So from the moment he decides like that, he's leaving the studio. Um, <laughs> he kind of adopts Ted's bullshit. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> yes. Which will come to now that he's accepting a job as a coach, it comes more and more and more into play. Um, as he goes along with Ted and Beard in coaching, but it, it what is that, it? like from the fucking jump, it's just like he gives this weird, he gives this heartfelt speech and then he goes to leave, and then there's this weird like rom commy moment where it's just like I have to go. <laughs> yes, 
I know. This, I mean, this cracked me up. And again, like the the rewatch, like some of the nuance that kind of like comes here, and then when you see some of the the moments in in, se- in season three, I, I I don't remember if it's in the premiere, or the second episode, but it's it's just Roy kind of being influenced by Ted uh, mm-hmm. and his humor. <laughs> oh, um. Yeah, it, it, it's like he does this whole thing where he has to get to Nelson Road. It It is very rom-com-ish where it's like, oh, shit, oh, yeah. I'm way across town. I've got to, you know, it's it's Tom Hanks needing to get to uh, the Empire State Building. You know, <laughs> it's it's such that thing. But he's just getting to Ted and, and to mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, he his fucks his one true love. I know yes. you don't do Bluey, but that's a great episode. Um, he fucks his knee on the way there, which is really <laughs> great. Multiple times. <laughs> my dad. Him just hobbling down the road going, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> it's my favorite thing, man. Um, an- another Tedism, though, like when he gets in the taxi, he gets the taxi off the bat. Guy takes him as far as he can. He has this whole story. The taxi driver does about his his wife. He has to give his wife a present because it's like their anniversary that day or something. So Roy hands him like a shit ton of money and <laughs> gives him. Not he can't just say don't stop, da- never stop dating your wife, which is excellent advice. He has to do it in a Ted way and say like Nikki Six. Uh, said on inside the music, you gotta keep dating your wife or something. It's just <laughs> a long, drawn out thing the way Ted does things. I'm like, it's literally like he's just like stepping into going like, all right, I guess this is this is who I am now. <laughs> I know. I'd so like you get so much of that benefit on a rewatch, and I think doesn't it the cab driver then say? Oh, my wife loves cash or something yeah. like that. That's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, I, and so he makes it to the stadium, fixes his neck, which that's a whole thing. He he walks up to the oh, gate God. and he won't let him in because they don't believe he's Roy Kent. They <laughs> fucking work there. I know. And he kind of <laughs> looks like him. Oh, it sounds like him. <laughs> so he has to go get his ticket, which is listed under Reba McIntyre. <laughs> I love that he growls at the kid at the window. Me too. And the kid's like, Dad, Dad. So um, I'm not going to lie. I was looking for Roy gifts um, to send you last night from this episode. <laughs> and I couldn't find the exact one I wanted. But most of these scenes, when you type in Roy Kent, um, immediately pop up, including the one of him growling at the little boy. It's so good. He's just like so annoying. He's like, Rrr. I know. And the little boy's the delighted. He's like, yeah, this is so Roy happy. Um, and and there, he walks out to the crowd chanting his, he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. Isaac sees him, smiles. Okay, this is specifically why I brought up the thing with Ted and um, uh, the doc. Because Ted does not look like he he looks out of it. Until he sees Roy. And even then he still looks a little like like he's just not in that headspace. Yeah. Um, which is stuff we'll get into later in the season. Um It is, yeah. There 
it, it was very nuanced and subtle in this episode there, uh, but they're definitely playing for something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the while, uh, Rainbow by the Rolling Stones, which uh, comes up earlier in the episode, it's Higgins and uh, his wife's, that's their song, because it's the song that it was was playing when they met, which is such a... a meet cute it, it's so great <laughs> it is dumping the beer on his head and um it's just it's so sweet and adorable and th- there's that like brief scene uh with him and her um w- w- uh, jagger says something about uh her standing there in blue and it just cuts to him waiting for his wife uh in the stadium and she walks up wearing blue it's not like a fancy dress or anything just just like blue pants and this like blue jacket like raincoat thing and it, it's just it's so perfect man i know i i love higgins like it's i just i love i love their story it just it mm-hmm. ends up just being so heartfelt it's such a good character and uh the music just builds and builds and builds and builds roy walks up to Ted and Ted tries to say something and he says, you had me at coach, which is <laughs> a great m- misappropriation of that line. <laughs> well, because they were doing the whole bit mm-hmm. earlier from yeah. um, Jerry Maguire. And then I love Beard's reaction though. Yeah. Like, <gasps> um, and to Ted's credit, he very subtly points to the end of the line. Uh-huh. And so Roy greets Beard, greets Nate, and the music starts to like I don't know what you call it, break almost. Yeah. And we just instead of focusing on uh Ted's like clear like weird headspace now we see that nate is also not like something's going on there oh yeah and if if you didn't know before that i mean this is straight up telling you like hey this is not gonna play out for your boy nate like you might think it is (laughs) oh my gosh no the look the look on his face the way he watches Roy and then it just cuts. Yeah. I mean, for such a happy episode to end on such a like, like nails on a chalkboard moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a, uh, like a weird, but perfect choice. Um, so I, I want to bring up uh, two things about the specific episode. If you rewatch it, there's rainbow shit everywhere in this episode, man. Yeah, there's a lot of color in general, <laughs> but I, I do see what you mean. Uh, the the uh, pedicab that Roy gets into is just yep. rainbow colored. The first song in the episode is something about rainbows. Like it, it's weird how I did. I don't think I even picked up on it until after like my fourth or fifth rewatch and I was like oh shit it's rainbows there's rainbows everywhere in this episode um so I, I I bring this up to point out what an idiot I am there's a scene in this episode 
where they're all the fans are piling into the stands and the camera catches this old couple mm-hmm. and they give this like meat cute story. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I watched this episode and was like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, <laughs> it feels out of place. It's weird. I don't understand the reference. And then I like, I just didn't know what it was about. And I don't know, eight months ago, I was watching something and they were talking about when Harry met Sally and how (laughs) in the movie, when Harry met Sally, there's these scenes where like, there's all these like random interviews with these couples just peppered throughout the movie. And I was like, fucking hell, man, I'm (laughs) so stupid. The whole episode is about rom communism and that's like the king slash queen of romantic comedies from the 80s. Like every it was a movie that people wouldn't shut up about. Um, I don't love it. I think it's fine. But um, I mean, there's so many when Harry met Sally references that I would get. Like I'll have what she's having. Mm-hmm. The fucking fans talking in the stands years of watching this episode and just being like, I don't understand what the fuck that is. I was like, <laughs> if I ever meet Bill Lawrence or anybody associated with this show, I'm going to be like, what the hell is that moment about, man? Like, it just bothers me. It's out of place. And I would have gotten slapped and rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Also, I'm probably showing my age quite a bit this episode, but I've never seen that movie. Um, do you so know? I that? definitely didn't get the reference. I just assumed it, it played into the romantic comedy yeah. aspect and it has some interesting parallels yes about <laughs> a season later <laughs> um so uh lots of like small funny bits in this episode but i i for me nothing nothing makes me laugh more every single time i've seen this episode a dozen times than at the beginning in the locker room when Ted's trying to call everybody to attention and Nate goes to blow his whistle and Ted goes, no, 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 I gave you an indoor whistle. I <laughs> fucking, I just, every time I'm just like, <laughs> it's so funny. It's funny. And then he tries to blow it again later. I know. And then he looks at it like, why doesn't this thing work? And that is, it is, it is very, very, very funny. Um, Oh my gosh. I'm just, I don't know if I can pick a favorite, like, funny moment in this episode. I feel like it would be anything from Roy, though, which is almost always my favorite funny moment in any episode is anything from Roy. Yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. That, <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. I think that whole, like, that whole scene, just, like, the whole, like, awkwardness of it. I mean, it was meant to be rom com and over the top, and I get that was the point, but it just it was hysterical to me. Um, so there's, uh, there's a really great callback. I skipped over it the, towards the beginning, just so I could bring it up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what episode it's in. I think it's in the episode where Beard is avoiding Ted. Oh. And Ted's like, what do you call it? What does a British owl say? I think it's in that episode. Yes. And, and yeah. Yep. They call it right back here. And it's just, who the fuck waits a year to pay off a joke? 
<laughs> it's, a, it's a knock-knock joke, essentially. I know, that's so true. And he's like, worth it. I'm like, was it? <laughs> was it, though? <laughs> because if you're not, it, like, if, you, or if you're not me and you don't obsessively watch that show, watch <laughs> the show... That doesn't, you have no idea what they're talking about. He's like, you never finished your joke, by the way. And like, I, I, I'm i rewinding it and going, what joke is he talking about? But yeah. I've seen it so much. I'm like, holy shit, what a callback to season one. I know, which I mean, like, I, I remembered it being a callback, but I was like, wait, when did this even come up? But now that you're kind of like placing it. Yeah, you're right. He, did. I was like, when did he even say that? I thought maybe it was in the in the pilot but it's not yeah i I think it's that episode i I meant to go back and double check okay yeah it is no it is because he runs away from him he's trying to get him to talk to him and yeah and he's he's, and then he asks nate and (laughs) nate runs away too (laughs) yeah he's just like he like throws what he's he like sprints the other direction it was it was kind of hysterical okay so spoilers for anything after this episode yes the Nate Jade shit, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. This episode was like a mirror of the last two episodes of season three. I was like, holy shit. Like, it's, it was like the timing of rewatching mm-hmm. this and watching those was like so perfect for me. It's fucking crazy. I was just like, oh, my God. They are paying off so many things that... I mean, the the thing with Jade feels like a one-off. I think he goes back a few times, and you're like, this is just Nate embarrassing, uh, embarrassing himself. Yes. And then it, it becomes a relationship. But And one that I think we even talked about earlier on uh, after season three started, where we were like, why, why would he want to date her? Like we were talking about, she yeah. seemed rude and dismissive and... But maybe that wasn't the case. Like maybe, or maybe she was. She just thought he was just another dude, like wandering in there trying to like pick her up or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, being a hostess can't be easy in <laughs> yeah. that regard. But I mean, definitely the shift changes whenever um, she, he gets stood stood up and she sits down and finishes dinner with him because she feels touched that he really does truly love that restaurant because I think she does too. Yeah. Um, It's so weird how all of it changed and my perspective on all of it changed just in the last two weeks. Um, 100%. Yeah. Because I mean, we end this season hating Nate trying to figure out how could he even do this to like the beginning of season three, which is kind of a little bit of the same. And then they, then you just, you start getting more of his story. And this last episode, this, I mean, that last 20 minutes about wrecked me. I was like, Holy crap. It was so good. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a weird thing and so I have been reading like people's takes on the season and on specific episodes and of this last episode, so many people were like, Oh, you can't redeem Nate. Like that's bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, y'all aren't watching the show, man. 
You're yeah. not watching the show. You're not paying attention. Nate fucked up. He yeah. knows he fucked up. Yeah. And yeah. now he doesn't know how to fix it. He did the only thing he knew he could do. Walk away from a position he was never going to be happy in. Exactly. Which was like so wild to me. Because when this when the episode starts, I'm like... I had to go back and rewatch the end of the last episode. I thought I missed something. No, I was, well, I watched, I watched them back to back. So I had that advantage, but (laughs) I mean, like I was convinced Rupert fired him. I was like, he fired him. He he got pissed, you know, because he, Mm -hmm. he, he took, turned down his offer or he walked out on him or whatever, you know, Rupert's version is of what happened. And then you watch the whole rest of the episode and God, so help me. They made me feel for fucking Rupert. Okay, so... Um, but anyway, that wasn't the point. But yeah. Well, I want to talk about how fucking weird is it that we're talking about this episode and Rebecca yes. specifically brings up, I walk into that room and they look at me like I'm a little girl in pigtails. Oh and they're all just these old white assholes with more money than God and th- they look down on me. And it, it it's infuriating. So I don't command a room. And this is what I do. And we see her put it into action. And I know, I because I've read it, a lot of people are like, that's fucking weird that she sees the little girl and she sees them. It's so weird. Why is the show doing something like this? And I'm like, oh, you're not paying attention, man. Not <laughs> getting it. Oh, my. You're missing the entire point of the show. Like, when I saw the little girl in the mirror, I was like, oh, my God. Like, the tears started then and they did yeah. not stop for the rest of the episode. I was like, holy shit. It was so good. And then what she's saying combined with Nate's violin playing and she sees them all in the room and realizes they're just a bunch of little boys. They're just playing they're playing that is what they are doing that is what they do best because they are privileged and she just takes him to task oh my god i cannot wait to talk about the episode in like full detail so I, good i was i was floored because i i watched them like when they drop because they i'm, I'm yeah. lucky they drop at night i'm usually working um by the time they drop or within a few hours of them dropping my work has died down. I kind of can just chill. And I usually eat my lunch and watch Ted Lasso on the day that it drops. Um, and I like I'll usually text Spencer because uh, he gets up at like 5 a.m. and watches it. And uh, I'm like, holy shit, man, what an episode. Text me when you're done. And uh, but so the next night I'll usually just go trolling, looking for like, you know, reaction post and shit and Mm -hmm. every time i'm just like you know i was with a lot of people in the first like few episodes of this season just going like where the hell is this show going like what are we doing it seems very meandering i'm having fun but i don't like this is it guys we got 12 episodes where the fuck are we going and now i'm just like oh no they know where they're going holy shit this is amazing and seeing people just tear it to shreds i'm just like Y'all need to go back and rewatch season one and two, man. I know it's a time commitment, but I'm telling you, all of this shit is there. It's all there. I was astonished, especially like 
and I'm really glad that it kind of like coincided together. So, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Unfortunately, the Edwin, however the fuck he says, yeah, Kufu has not. But you know, I feel like we're probably not done with him anyway. (laughs) I feel like we're not 100% done with him. That guy, I fucking love. That guy is clinically insane. The the actor, specifically oh. the actor. He is, like, if you you look him up and, like, see, I'm sure he's been in something you've seen. You'd be like, wait, that's the same guy? <laughs> he is putting on a show, man. It's like they wrote his dialogue, told him he was from, where is he from? He's the, an American actor. Yeah, the character is from, shit, I can't remember now. Um, and he kind of just learned the accent and was just like, you can be as big an asshole as you want to be. And he just runs with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I didn't realize he was an American actor. Yeah, he's he's so good. He's a funny dude, like regardless. But watching him do this, like I was so elated when he came into uh, season two. I was like. Oh, he's going to be so fun. And then when he turned out to be an asshole, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> That's funny. I don't think I've I don't think I've seen much of what he's been. Yeah. Doing, but. Um, but yeah, what an episode. And to coincide with like literally the last two weeks, it's been crazy getting to watch these on top of each other is wild i was like oh my god i could not believe like they i mean these episodes like it was like mirrors almost i was i was quite i was quite astonished by it i i was i was floored at their ability to redeem nate in a way that didn't have him immediately cowing and cowering back to Rebecca and Ted and Beard and Roy and just, you know, throwing himself down. And so I'm so sorry. Kind of just saying, nope, that's what I did. I quit I, I, and yeah. not going back to them. But then sneaking in the way fucking Rupert sneaks in. Right. Loved that touch. And not making amends because I, I feel like he still feels very much wronged by Ted. I think so too. I think he does too. And I want them to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And, but he makes amends with a person he specifically knows he has to make amends with. Oh God. It's like, I know that I wronged this dude and treated him like shit. And I need to at least let him know that I know I was wrong. Yes. Oh my god, so good. Oh, I, I just, uh, I've, yeah. I, and we've got three episodes left of the show. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I hope it doesn't end to end. But. I, I feel like there's, I, I, from what I understand, they have Jason Sudeikis' blessing. So, okay. uh, I feel like... It might be another, like, I think I said this last time. It might be another two years, specifically with the writer's strike going on. Um, But uh, I feel like we're going to get more with these characters. Um, Also, no superhero shows on the CW schedule for the fall. Yeah. That's that's rough. 
it's not great. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I haven't uh, chatted with my co-hosts at all because we did yeah. podcast this week. So yeah, they were know. off this week, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah. I'm, and uh, our one co-host is he's gonna be not with us for the next couple of weeks because he's got you know some other stuff going on. So I don't know what that means for the future of our show. I mean, definitely we'll finish out the season with Superman and Lois, but. I don't know. Yeah. I might just take a break for a bit. Yeah, that, that was shocking to me that they, because they, for weeks, it's been like, well, we're probably keeping at least one of them and we'll let you know. And then they announced the fall schedule. And there's not even a, a, like, hey, we're picking one of these shows or both of these shows up. Although we understand they might not premiere in the fall because of the writer's strike. Yeah. Nothing. So it's so shitty. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, what Max, whatever the fuck they're calling it now, yeah. uh, can can hold on to it because Titans just ended, Doom Patrol's ending, so they're gonna need some kind of content. Um, yeah, well, we'll we'll see. We'll have to see. But uh, anyway, yeah, if you're watching Superman and Lois, do go check out Tomorrow's Legends. Um, it's a great show and. I just caught up on Superman and Lois, so I can catch up on a few episodes of the podcast. Nice. What a fucking emotional journey this oh. season has been. God, I know. It's, uh, man. Um, it's hard to watch some of these scenes, for sure. They, they've done an excellent job of creating a bad guy who, like, in, in the Marvel tradition of it's like, oh, no, he's a bad guy, but also... I understand. Yeah. Like so many DC bad guys are like, oh, nope, he's juiced up. Or, oh, he hates Superman. Oh, he's an evil billionaire. Uh, they're just bad guys. And this guy, it's like, oh, he's bad. Oh, wait, no. He has a fucking reason. Yeah. And that dude's killing it, man. He's so good. He is uh, so good. I really love that actor. He's he's great. Um. And uh, if you want, if you want to hear me on anything else, I don't know why you would go check out everything else over at xwingfiles.com, which isn't much right now. It's this podcast and uh, me and Adam on nurture and everything. So uh, Star Wars stuff is taking a break. Uh, another one of my co-hosts has uh, having a kid, so <laughs> I'm oh. I, I feel like my Star Wars podcasting days are over <laughs> because <laughs> they're they just keep having children and. You know, <laughs> probably <laughs> it gets more it, difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to do, and and you know that they're not up for the late night stuff. <laughs> it's hard. I'm yeah, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> um, I mean, the, our stuff isn't super duper late, but um, my my kids have made appearances on podcasts in the past. It's it's not unheard of. Uh, Although, speaking of which, I think one of mine might be. Hopefully, she's not getting up, but. Yeah. Um, all right, go write and review us on iTunes. We'll be back next week talking about episode six. Officially, we'll be halfway through the season. I feel like there's going to be some Jamie talk uh, a lot next episode. So, um, yeah, both at current and or where we're at currently and future Jamie talk. So, because <laughs> wow. holy shit, what's going on with him is incredible. I know. Uh, so uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk.